Thanks for tuning in to Good Old Fashioned Theology, where we drink old fashions and talk theology. I'm Lance Lucas. And I'm Father Chris Stoley. Uh, we're pretty excited today. We've got some good starts for our series on the sacraments. So to get us our to get ourselves started off, let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John Vianney, pray for us. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lance. Welcome back, fellas. Welcome back. How are we, how are we doing? Oh, better for seeing you, man. Yeah, of course. Yeah, well, and you're getting probably, probably pretty close to wrapping up school there, aren't you? Yeah, we're done on Tuesday, this upcoming Tuesday as of nice. shooting. Um, so, shooting, <laughs> recording. There we go. Uh, <laughs> same thing. Just, yeah, whatever. It's like, <laughs> literally all showbiz is the same. Right. Yeah, so we're, um, we're, yep, we're coming to the tail end right now. The kids are... Uh, surprisingly, the kids are still pretty, you know, chill. Um, really? Yeah. A lot of times around this time of year, it just is. It's chaos and you can't keep them straight. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, you know, they're doing really pretty well, keeping themselves under control. Um, just kind of doing their thing. Nice. Well, that's good. You've trained them well. I have. Them, I those, well, it's those nuns <laughs> that are training them well. <laughs> that's yeah, fair. Taking that's the very, ruler to that's them. very true. I don't know if I can make jokes like that, but I just did. Yeah. You got to be careful. Got to be careful with some of those. But yeah, they're actually doing really pretty well. Um, And then we'll see what happens on Tuesday. But yeah, Tuesday's a chaos day anyways. And so you just accept it going into it. Yeah. You just, yeah, there's no other, there's no other option. No. You just have to go with it. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, as you mentioned uh, in the intro there, we're, we're going to be diving into the um, to the sacraments here, which is going to be pretty fun. Yeah, um, we're going to go I'm a little really bit out of order, but you know that's yeah. okay. That is okay. That's okay, time timing works how it works. But um, yeah, I'm excited for this. I think I mean this is the foundation of our faith. I would say, and so I, I'm really excited to learn more and dive deeper into it and um, hear what you have to say about it. So sweet. I'm excited to hear what I have to say about it too. So this will be <laughs> <laughs> a great experience for both of us. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, cool. Well, um, I think probably where we should start is actually talking about what is a sacrament and uh, what, why are they important? Why, like I said, they're kind of the foundation of our faith. Why is that the case? You know, so, yeah, so let's define a sacrament first. So a good working sacrament definition is an outward sign instituted by Christ that gives grace, right? So, um, It's important that it's an outward sign because when God created us, he created us to be very tangible. Like we have to be able to smell, we have to be able to hear, we have to be able to see. He created us with these five senses, right? And they're not Mm -hmm. just uh, a thing that we happen to experience. Um, It's how we come to know things. It's how we come to realize things that like things exist. You know, if you look at Aristotle, if you look at St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, we come to know the world through the senses. And so it's important that we have something that we can experience through the senses that has a deeper reality. So God gives us the sacraments. The sacraments don't exist for God's sake. They exist for ours. 
So mm -hmm. when we look at the sacraments, each one of them has two major two major parts, the matter and the form. And the matter and okay. the form are effectively um, the two pieces that you need to make a sacrament happen. So the matter is usually the stuff or what's uh, the required thing. And then the form okay. is what makes that required thing effective. So for example, in baptism, the matter is water. So that's that that's right. that physical thing. That's the that's the thing that's tangible. What we can see, right? Uh, what we can feel, see, feel. Right. Yeah, and uh, then the form are the words. So I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So when those two things are combined, now you have your sacrament. So you pour the water okay. or you immerse. So you can do either one. Mm -hmm. um, you pour the water three times: Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And with those words, that water now has an effect. So the gotcha. form, it's matter and form actually come from philosophy. Uh, matter is potential. And then form is what gives that potential reality, right? So it makes that thing that could be, right, be, <laughs> right? right? It makes right, it, exactly. makes it exist in a certain way. So um, when we take those principles and we apply it to the sacraments, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing this thing that could be. So for ex in the example we just gave water, we see it mm -hmm. as possibly a baptizing element. And then with that form, it happens. It becomes that actual yes. baptizing element. Yeah, and it's important that we can hear that form because it's, again, it's an outward sign that mm -hmm. points to an interior reality. And that interior reality is sanctifying grace. It's God's life that lives within us. And our first right. experience of that grace is in baptism. Mm -hmm. So a, a sacrament is that outward sign instituted by Christ that gives grace, that external or tangible reality that tells us what's going on underneath. Gotcha. Yeah, cool. And then each, so each sacrament then has those, the matter and the form, they all have those Correct. tangible yeah. physical things. Some of them look, obviously they all look a little differently. Right. But mm -hmm. Gotcha. And so then um, there's seven different sacraments. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to probably- Got a quiz you here, Lance. I'll do my best here. So you got baptism, you got communion. Uh, reconciliation, um, you got confirmation, holy orders, and uh, anointing, of the, anointing of the sick. Is that right? You're missing one. And then is it like the lay, well, hmm. Is this, Did you say hmm. matrimony yet? No, I didn't. See? Lance, how you're married. I, how could I forget that? That's like, that's my core foundation. We won't tell Paige. We won't tell Paige about this. <laughs> She's going to hear this. Oh, man. Paige, on behalf Naturally, of Lance, Paige, I'm, I'm so sorry. sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, man. Oh, man. Paige is going to I need to go confess. <laughs> oh, man. I'm scared for you, Lance, but good luck. I'm scared for me, too. <laughs> Luckily, reconciliation and anointing of the sick might help you out here. There we go. There we go. They're going to become very important for like me. Like at yes. last rites before you have to talk to your wife. But the, the sacraments, oh, they kind of come in an order. We're, like we said earlier, we're going to be kind of going a little bit out of order, and we'll explain why here in a bit. But the sacraments of initiation are what make us fully Catholic, right? So that's mm -hmm. going to be baptism, confirmation, and communion, Holy Eucharist. And it should be in that order. Um, we don't do it in that order for some reason. I don't know if it's because we're the United States and we just do whatever we want. Uh, but technically you're supposed to receive confirmation before you receive first communion. Because uh, the idea is that you're being confirmed in this relationship and then uh, that relationship gains its intimacy in the Eucharist, which are things that we'll talk about as we go through the sacraments, of course. Right. 
Um, so we have those sacraments of initiation, baptism, confirmation, Eucharist, that make us fully Catholic. Then you have your sacraments of healing, which are reconciliation or confession is what it's also called, and anointing of the sick. Uh, and then you have your sacraments of vocation, which are holy orders and... Holy <laughs> Matrimony. There you go, Lance. I got that one. <laughs> <laughs> Holy orders and matrimony. And uh, I think they're actually called something else. I've always learned them as sacraments of vocation. That's not to say that those are the only vocations, um, but those are the only vocations that are have a, a sacrament attached to them. So what we're starting with today is uh, the sacrament of Holy Orders. Uh, hence why our saint for the day was St. John Vianney. Uh, he's the patron saint of priests. And uh, holy orders. We're starting with that because it's uh, it's you know late May as of shooting this, as of reshooting this again with that crap, uh, <laughs> as of recording this. Recording this, and uh, that means that we're in the midst of ordination season, which is a moment right. near and dear to my heart, of course. Definitely. Uh, so we thought we would start kind of there. Yeah. No. And I, I I'm excited to to start there because uh, the holy orders is something that I think a lot of people ask about and have questions about um and so to hopefully bring some clarification to mm -hmm. my own self and to be able to explain it to understand it a little bit better but for others too to be able to to understand i'm excited for it and um yeah so i guess with that so w w how did holy orders i guess become a sacrament i think is a good place to start like where is this founded from so as we know um since the definition of a sacrament is that's an outward sign instituted by christ right so when did christ institute it i suppose is the big question uh he instituted at the last supper mm. you know when he said uh do this in memory of me he established something that was supposed to go on and because it was a sacrifice um, the only ones who could offer sacrifices were priests like gotcha. that's what a priest is by definition one who right, offers sacrifice and that goes all the way back into Leviticus and Levitical priests and the Levitical yes. line. Good, Lance. From there. You're like, know, it's see? like you know your scriptures and stuff, man. Yeah, I, I like just this. don't know my matrimony. Uh, <laughs> now, once you get <laughs> that one down, you'll be okay. <laughs> we'll work on that. But, but I'll quiz you again the next time we meet. There we go. There it, we go. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's exactly what we see is a bit of a difference, though. So we get to, um, we go through the Old Testament. We see the Old Testament priesthood. Mm -hmm. which were the Levites. So here's what happened with that. At, at first, um, the whole people of God was, was meant to be a priestly class. Like it wasn't supposed to just be the Levites. Okay. But when they did the golden calf, uh, the only tribe of Israel that did not go along with the idea was, was the tribe of Levi. So just, yep. to reward them, uh, he took away the priesthood from the other tribes, the other 11 tribes, and bestowed it solely on Levi. So that's where the Levitical priesthood comes in, hence the book of Leviticus, where it's all those right. priestly laws. So that was always handed down biologically. So if you were from the tribe of Levi, you were priestly. You, um, right. And it always went through your father. So if your mother was from the tribe of Levi, but your dad from Asher, you were kind of taken, quote unquote, taken out of the line. You were still considered a gotcha. Levite, of course, but um, it needed to come down through the father. Uh, so if your father was Levite and your mother wasn't, you were still considered part of the Levitical priesthood. Uh, so, and maybe I think kind of later on, I'd have to research this again a little bit more because now I'm starting to second guess myself. But <laughs> I think even if it was from your, just your maternal side, you still could. 
but it was definitely through your father's side. Right. Um, so we get now to Jesus, who is the priest of priests. He's the high priest. And he bestows participation in this priesthood on his apostles, effectively creating a new Israel where mm -hmm. all 12 tribes, hence the 12 apostles, all 12 tribes are now a priestly class. So now it's the Which whole is how it's supposed to yeah, be. Yeah, that's exactly right. how, it's and that's supposed, how to it's supposed to be. Yeah. So after Israel screwed the pooch, Jesus had to kind of re, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but I just did. <laughs> um, after, after all that happened, Jesus has kind of reestablishes it. And at the last supper is where he institutes that priesthood. Because if he says, do this in memory of me, what he's talking about is the, his sacrifice. Uh, gotcha. That's when he, when he's sitting there talking about, you know, this is my body, this is my blood, I'm offering it. He's talking about a sacrifice. So mm -hmm. when he says, do this in memory of me, the, this is the sacrifice which they can't do because they're not priests. Right. At least right. not Levitical priests. So he establishes this new order of priesthood on this new Israel. And gotcha. from there, it's just handed down. So um, actually, the letter to the Hebrews is a great description of, um, of what the priesthood of Jesus looks like. And by extension, the priesthood of uh, priests we have nowadays. Because I'm like, really, I am not a priest. Right, Jesus is the priest. Right. I participate in that priesthood in a in a mm. ministerial way, in a sacramental way. Yeah. So, when Jesus establishes the priesthood, uh, he establishes it at the Last Supper, and it continues on to this day. Um, gotcha. And when he established it, uh, he established the priesthood to its fullest extent, meaning um, he or actually the apostles weren't just priests; they were bishops. Right. So okay. what we would call a bishop is someone who has a full um, a full participation in the, in the priesthood of Christ. That's why they can ordain. That's why they can confirm. That's why they, okay. they do all these different things. Mm -hmm. um, and then as an extension of the bishop, we have priests. And those come a little later on, like Acts of the Apostles. We have those seven men like Stephen, mm -hmm. Nicholas, all those guys. Um, they are often considered deacons. Uh, some scholars consider them to actually be the first priests because they're the extension of the apostles in their communities. What's a priest? Which is kind of what you yeah. guys are. You guys are an extension of the, of the, of bishop. the bishop. Yeah, I'm the bishop of my parish is basically what the idea of a pastor is. Yeah, yeah. So um, over time, that kind of develops, right? Because deacons did still exist. They were, they were, they were servants. That's what the word deacon means. So right um, to serve. Yeah. So. It's the servant who serves the bishop. It's specifically they're they're at the service of the bishop, right? Uh, but they can also be at the service of the communities. But typically, those are going to be your priests, who are the extension of the bishop and his service to the to the communities. We call them now parishes, right? Right. Gotcha. Yeah. So I think that's that's a good like place to kind of move into. Is you, you touched on it the difference a little bit between bishops, priests, deacons. Mm -hmm. Can you just kind of touch a little bit more on those and exactly kind of their role? Uh, and like you said, you kind of already did that, but how do they how do they get to that point and what's their specific role, I guess, within the, the whole church? Yeah, so um, that's a really good question, actually, because uh, it's been kind of confused for a number of years. And Holy Orders, Holy Orders now is not what Holy Orders was even like 70, 80 years ago. Because uh, really? Holy Orders used to actually be I think seven 
orders, including four minor orders. So you have acolyte, you have lector, you have subdeacon, mm-hmm. you have all these different things. Those were considered yeah. the minor orders. Uh, okay. And they're still considered, quote-unquote, minor orders. But what that means is that those were the orders that you received in preparation for the major orders, which are deacon, gotcha. priest, bishop. So um, I'm going to kind of ignore the minor orders because they don't really apply to us at this point in time. Right. Um, but the, uh, I mean, they apply to us insofar as we go, we receive them in the seminary, I guess. But um, Right, but I mean, like a lay person like myself, I... I got it yeah, well, kind ordained of a, as a acolyte, but yeah. I'm not on the yeah. path towards yeah, we've Yeah, we've kind of changed the, yeah, we've had to kind of, for that very reason, we've kind of had to change the language. Uh, so now you're instituted acolytes and uh, gotcha. you're yeah. ordained a deacon, priest, and bishop. Gotcha. So the major difference between deacon, priest, and bishop is actually kind of all in the name. So if we have to look at the origin of those names, so you have, mm-hmm. let's start with deacon, which is kind of the lowest level. Um, because there's there's three levels to holy orders, deacon, priest, bishop. Mm-hmm. The lowest level is deacon. So they have the least participation in the office of priest, right? So that's not to say that they don't have any, of course, but they specifically fulfill the serving function of Christ. So deacon gotcha. comes from the, from the Greek word diakonos, which is a servant. Mm-hmm. And so they're, 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 uh, mission their participation in christ is participation as servant right gotcha. so they serve the bishop specifically like they're they're right they're there at the service of the bishop but their duties include um taking communion to the sick um helping out with at communion at mass reading the gospel at mass reading the intentions mm-hmm. at mass um baptizing uh being present at weddings things like that so they can do a lot of the different things that priests can minus things that are deeper sacramental right uh realities so they can't say mass so they can't confect the eucharist they can't hear confessions mm-hmm. they can't anoint they can't confirm can't ordain things like that they, so they perform they the, the sacramental ser- yeah. things yeah so they they specifically are for the serving function of the church so gotcha. whatever sacraments are for service baptism for example that they can do Right, and so then you have someone that gotcha. participates in a deeper way in the priesthood of Christ. That's the priest, mm-hmm. and a priest by definition is a, is one who offers sacrifice, as I kind of said earlier. But really, we're called presbyters. Um, a presbyter in Greek is just a, is an over is a is a is an elder, right? Is an elder. Mm-hmm. So I kind of and am what, the elder of a wasn't community. their role right? Well, and isn't their role kind of? I mean, in the early church, was to go out and bring kind of the word of God to, to those communities and help serve and those serve, but, you know, bring that to Mm -hmm. the community itself. Okay. Yeah. It was service in a different capacity. It was kind of in a deeper capacity. Deacons and priests have worked, uh, really pretty closely for a long, long time, centuries. centuries. So it's, they've performed a lot of the same functions, but when it came to, like I said, kind of the deeper sacraments, or the more, I don't know what you want, if you want to call them deeper sacraments, but the, I'll just call them deeper sacraments because I don't know what else to call yeah, them. It's an um, easy way to explain it. But those deeper sacraments are meant for the priest himself. Uh, and as an elder, he has this, he has this appointed authority that's given him by the bishops. So okay. hence why the priest is the extension of the bishop in the community, what we call a parish mm-hmm. now. 
Gotcha. And so his duty is to whatever the bishop would do, he does that in his community. Uh, minus confirmations and things like that. Confirmation is mm-hmm. a little bit different because we can be delegated to do that. But right. uh, typically, the ordinary the minister is. is the bishop. Gotcha. And the bishop, he is the fullness of the priesthood. Right? It participates in the fullness of fullest sense in the priesthood of Jesus. Right. Uh, because he's a the, every bishop is a descendant of the apostles, so if you really worked really hard, you could actually trace every bishop back to an apostle, <laughs> which is right. crazy. Uh, and that's what apostolic succession. That's where that's actually that's exactly what apostolic succession is. Uh, so we have apostolic tradition and we have apostolic succession. Apostolic tradition are those teachings that Jesus handed on to the apostles, and the apostles handed on to us. Right. Mm-hmm. Apostolic succession is the priesthood. That Jesus gives to the to the apostles, who they then give over to the bishops. Gotcha. Right. So um, the bishops, the word bishop comes from episcopas, uh, which is an overseer or like a supervisor, so to speak. Gotcha. So he's the one that oversees a community, like an entire mm-hmm. community, mm-hmm. Uh, which in which many is what time, a diocese now. Yeah, which we call a diocese now, and uh, that's um, really what the main difference between all of them is it's just three different levels and it, each of those levels stays. So a bishop is still a priest and he's still a deacon, but each mm-hmm. one builds mm-hmm. on the other. So if you ever okay. go to a deacon ordination, the bishop is wearing the chasuble, but he's also wearing a dalmatic. The dalmatic is the vestment that the, that the deacon wears. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's actually a tunic that um, servants used to wear. Hence mm. why the deacon it's wears it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, so we got that going for us. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so here's an interesting question for you, and you may or may not know it, but do you know, with the whole apostolic succession, can you trace back who you, what line you follow? You know what I'm trying to say, like, back to the apostle? Because I know that there's a way to, obviously you have to do a lot of digging and stuff, but don't bishops get ordained in a way when they become ordained bishops, they're traced back to the initial apostle? Um, I have no idea. Okay, That's I, a, didn't know I have no idea. I'm sure there's a way you could do that, but I've <laughs> if you really wanted to dig deep into it, I'm sure you could. <laughs> I've never actually been present for a bishop ordination. Um, I had the opportunity to go to one, but I couldn't, unfortunately. So, uh, which was a real shame because it was my it was actually my rector from the seminary, um, now Bishop John Folda, but then Monsignor Folda. That guy was like a second dad to me. He was awesome, and I really wanted to go to this ordination. I couldn't, so um, I actually don't know. How bishops hmm. were ordained. I know there's three I was just, bishops involved, but that's it. Right. <laughs> I was just curious if you knew if you could trace yours back, yeah. if you knew that or not. But like I said, it's a far-fetched question. Yeah, I don't know who so. our bishop descended from. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, cool. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, so another, I think, a common question that I have a tough time trying to figure out how to, to word it is, and it is really just like there's a whole bunch of different orders, and there's... There's the priests, the, you know, the community priests, like yourself, mm-hmm. a pastor. But then you also have, like, the brothers. And you have, um, you know, different friaries around the country, right. around the world. And I think that that's, for me, I have a tough time explaining exactly what their role is and how those got established. So I don't know if you can touch on that. Yeah, so actually, um, many of the early priests and bishops were from monasteries and things like that. 
Mm -hmm. uh, so what would first happen is you have the apostles and all that stuff. So we have to kind of start there. Uh, what would happen is people would be kind of elected and by the people and they would be sent to the apostles who would then pray over them, lay hands on them and boom, they off they went to go do their bishop things. As okay. time progressed, uh, a certain practice of asceticism began to take place. Mm -hmm. And actually, I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe the first kind of aesthetic was actually a woman. Um, and she wanted to start kind of a, a solitary way of life, become kind of a hermit of sorts. Yeah. And begin this life of prayer and penance. That's what asceticism is, is a life of prayer and penance. Okay. And uh, it became attractive to a lot of people. So that's where religious orders began. So okay. where we, what we think of as nuns and monks and then brothers and sisters. The difference mm -hmm. between those, by the way, religious brothers and religious sisters are not cloistered. That means that they work in the world. They work in hospitals. They uh, work in schools, whatever. Mm -hmm. But they take these religious vows. They wear a habit. Um, they uh, do all these different things. But then you have monks and you have nuns. And they live in cloister. That means that they live in their monastery. And that's where they are. Right. And their life is right. dedicated to prayer and pretty much prayer alone, right? Prayer right. and penance. And they offer it typically for the per church, uh, for priests, things like that. Gotcha. So that's the difference between the two. That's uh, good. good to know. And oftentimes monks and nuns live in silence. Mm. So, because the idea is that they're... Couldn't do that. Yeah, they're, neither could I. <laughs> uh, because they're, the idea is that if they're going to live this ascetic life, one of the biggest sacrifices they make is the sacrifice of communication because they're supposed to be communicating wholly with God. They right. do communicate with each other. So it's not like there's, they never talk. It's not like there's complete silence all the time. They have periods of recreation, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, they sing, they pray together, all that stuff, but they're meant to be living in a deep, deep communion with the Lord. That's not to say right. that religious sisters and religious brothers don't also live in a deep communion with the Lord, mm -hmm. but it looks different. There's is there more service oriented so they'll work yeah. in the hospitals they'll work in mm -hmm. clinics whatever communities right yeah right. so okay some of those orders especially specifically the male orders uh the male orders um some of them have priests in it some of them do not uh okay. all all orders have at least one priest so they can have someone who says mass for them right uh, i shouldn't say all orders most most orders have at least one priest mm -hmm. who can say mass for them but um, the difference is that they're a member of this religious community first, right? Their priesthood okay. is important, but what if, with regard to the community, their priesthood is there for the service of that religious community. Right, right. right. So really everything revolves around them being a brother or a monk. And mm -hmm. that's it. Like, that's why they become a priest. It's for the brothers and monks. Right. Um Excuse me. So uh, when you get to diocesan priests, which is what I am, I don't belong mm -hmm. to a religious order. I belong to the diocese. So I'm also, sometimes we're also called secular priests. What that means okay. is that I work in the world. Gotcha. Right? I work with the people. I work in the public. Um, I don't belong to an order. I belong to a region. Gotcha. Right? Uh, specifically with, with a bishop. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't mm -hmm. have an abbot. I don't have any of that. I have the bishop. Um, there are some religious orders that are all priests, like the Jesuits, um, mm. the FSSP, the Fraternity of St. Peter's, what they're called. 
Um, they're all priests, but there are other orders where that's not the case, like so, the Capuchins. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. So then those priests that are part of those orders, they're not necessarily, are, are they under the bishop's authority or do they just, what's, what's that relationship, I guess, look like with a diocesan priest and the bishop mm -hmm. versus the orders working within those dioceses? So the abbot is considered the bishop, quote unquote, of their, of their order. Okay. But unless the abbot is a bishop, he can't ordain. So that's where a diocesan bishop comes in. Okay. So in the ordination rite, the bishop says, do you promise obedience to me and my successors? And the priest would say yes. But in the case of a religious or someone who's being ordained for a different diocese, sometimes that mm -hmm. happens. It's do you, promise do you promise obedience to your bishop or your abbot and his successors? Yes. Okay. And so then they get ordained mm -hmm. and they move on. So that's kind gotcha. of the skinny on that. But okay. every order yeah. is invited by the bishop. And insofar as they're invited by a bishop to a diocese, they're under okay. his jurisdiction. Ultimately, they're kind of their own thing. But mm -hmm. if the bishop is like, you know what? I can't, we can't do this anymore with you. Get out. Yeah. Then they go. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Interesting. That's, that's good to know. Good clarification on that. Mm -hmm. Cause I, like I said, I get confused on that a lot and trying to explain it. I'm like, uh, I get frozen. So yeah, what's, what's uh, happening? Good. <laughs> right. <laughs> cool. Um, you know, we're talking about you know, priests and all these different orders and that kind of stuff, but I think it's probably important to talk about the process of becoming a priest. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you kind of want to share your story a little bit on how you became a priest and the process of going, you know, becoming an ordained priest. Sure. I think that'd be awesome to share. Yeah. Um, well, the short version is uh, I couldn't get a girlfriend, so this seemed like the next best thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is not true. Don't go spreading that. <laughs> um, either you or the listener. Uh, that is not true. Uh, so um, I was not as handsome then as I am now. Yeah, that's that's true. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> but the, I suppose, uh, really the short version is... Um, I guess I've always wanted to, and so I did, right? So okay. growing up, I had all these really good priest examples in my home parish, thinking yeah. of Monsignor Nemitz, who was my pastor there for 25 years. Um, I thought about, I th think of all the assistants who came through that were just amazing. Father Courtney especially yeah. was really good. Um, you know, all these amazing priests came through, uh, and none of them, uh, none of them didn't have an impact on me, right? So okay. all of them That's cool. were... Very, very good for me, which was yeah, great. Uh, so I'd always kind of thought about it. I, and it also kind of depends on who you ask. If you ask my parents, I've been thinking about it since I was like four. Mm -hmm. But I don't remember that. Okay. So uh, <laughs> the first time I remember thinking about it, I was probably seven. Hmm. Yeah, seven. Wow. Because I found out that my dad's cousin, Father Larry Stoley, was a priest. Okay. And I was like, oh, I can do that. And then I yeah. changed my mind. Like... <laughs> 10 other times just in, right. like that day because that's what a seven-year-old that's what a seven-year-old does <laughs> so um we fast forward a few years we get to like junior high and i'm still thinking about it but i was like you know what i kind of want to be a cop actually so mm -hmm. that's something that had also always kind of been on something i wanted to do so i was from like seventh grade on that was what i was planning on doing hmm. so yeah i know and then did you go to undergrad at all or did you go right into 
seminary. Well, I went right into the seminary right out of high school. Uh, okay. and, but that by itself, that kind of discernment was kind of long too. Um, I don't want to make it too long of a story, but basically when I was in high school, uh, I did not have a great relationship with anybody, especially, my, especially not my parents and especially not with God. Right. Which is pretty mm. typical of yeah. teenage angst. Right. Definitely. So I was just terrible. Like my, my GPA was like a one point seven five or something like that oh no it was a two two five that's what it was at one point it was a one one seven five (laughs) but then i got it up to like a two two five which is still like a c minus baby right and uh it was awful and i got home one morning when i was a sophomore uh one afternoon excuse me i got home one afternoon as a sophomore and i saw my dad standing at the table reading something and he looked at me and i was like i don't know what's going to happen here but i don't like the way he's looking at me (laughs) then he looked through me and he just said, good luck. He grabbed my youngest brother, Alex, and they went downstairs. Oh, man. And I was like, um, I don't know what happened, but this wow. is good. So I go over to the table where he was standing, and I see the slip of paper, and it was a downslip. A downslip is basically a note that the teachers send home at midterm okay. to say if you have a C or lower. And a lot yeah. of times there will be a note on it like, hey, it is a C now, but that's because these grades aren't in yet. Once I put them in, it'll raise, whatever. I had like a 62 in one of my classes, which meant I was failing. Like by not a huge margin, but enough. Enough of a margin, yeah. yeah. And considering my previous academic achievements of having a 225 (laughs) and not getting any homework done and just lying and stealing and all this other stuff that I was doing, it all came to a head. Hmm. That's that's a whole other story by itself. But my mom comes in and just ripped me to shreds. Uh, good. She, yeah, I was like backed into a corner, finger in my chest, like screaming at the top oh. of her lungs. And I was like, uh, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. <laughs> this is it. And I was at peace with it. <laughs> but he, so my mom then says, if you don't stop this, you're going to hell and I won't stop you. So enjoy that. And oh. I was like. What the hell is that all about? Yeah. Right? So I was just kind of like floored. And she said, what you're going to do is this. You're going to go into your room. You're going to make up every assignment that you missed for this class. You're going to turn it in. I already talked to your teacher. She said, if you do that, she'll raise your grade up some. I was like, okay. Right? So that's what I did. You didn't didn't really have a choice there. No. I I take it. And this was at like 4 p.m. And at 10 p.m., I was able to eat supper. Good. Nice. So it. (laughs) really ended up being pretty uh um pretty transformative in Le- my life so I was say life-changing yeah it really it really was and uh i gotta thank my my parents for that they put up with so much crap for me it was just awful <laughs> but from that i was in my room just like devastated and like mm-hmm. feeling i was like what the hell is wrong with me right i just right. couldn't because i could see like i brought my parents to this point mm-hmm. and uh I just kind of had to change. Like that was what yeah. had to happen. Gotcha. And um, cool. so I did. So I started, he, she's like, and actually one of the things she said to me, she was like, when you're done, you better pray to God that he doesn't kill you. Cause if he doesn't, I just might. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So I, so then I did, I didn't pray that, but right. <laughs> I did start praying again. And from there, there, my life did kind of like this 180. Wow. Started caring about stuff. My grade point, my GPA went up and, I didn't, I still graduated under a 3.0, but 
when you have when you did that badly, you can't just It's hard to recover. It's from really that. hard to recover from that. Yeah. Uh so mm-hmm. I had like a two nine or something like that. It was it was yeah. whatever. Huh. But so then so then that discernment, I guess, through that life changing experience led to led to your... discernment, yeah. Because okay. um okay. in the background of me thinking about school, I was also thinking about girls. Mm-hmm. But uh I naturally. had naturally, yeah. But in the back of my mind was always the seminary. So I started, I was like, okay, Lord, I have an idea. If you want me to go to the, if you want me to be married, the next relationship I have, because I'd had a couple that were just like stupid high school, Mm -hmm. dumb relationships, right? I was like, the next girlfriend I have, if you want me to be married, it has to last a minimum of three months. Mm -hmm. But if you want me to go to the seminary, not even become a priest, just go to the seminary. Yeah. I need you to make the next relationship I have last a maximum of three weeks. Seven days later, I was dating. Okay. And uh, I was working on a toothpick bridge for my nice. <laughs> for my physics project. <laughs> and uh, um, my girlfriend calls me and says, hey, um, can we talk? And I was like, yeah, why not? Because in my brain, I, I didn't have enough experience to know that You're can we talk is this bad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and uh, she said, I just don't feel any chemistry anymore. I was like, okay, that's bull crap. But she, so she breaks up with me. And the next day, my friend Tina is like, so how are things with Sarah? And I was like, well, I unfortunately broke up last night. And she goes, oh no, how long were you guys dating? I was like, oh, about three weeks. Oh my. Oh no. Yeah, it was like three <laughs> weeks to the day. Really? Yeah. And I was wow. like, this can't be, this can't be. So through a series of other events uh, that yeah. we can probably get into another time. Um, if you want the full vocation story, we can do a pod on that at one right. point. But there we go. <laughs> the short, short version of it is after a series of events, I finally decided, you know what, I'll give it a shot. Um, yeah. Because the police academy will always be there. The seminary won't be because of age restrictions. Right. Eventually. Yeah. So I um, went to the seminary and, uh, and so, just thought I would quit after a month. And then eight years later, I got ordained. <laughs> so I must have enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, somewhat. Yeah. Some, something like that. <laughs> so, so what is, uh, the process then? I mean, there's that discernment process right. for you and obviously mm-hmm. every discernment process is, oh, is yeah. different, but so you s- what is, what's the process? You start of, off that, with those eight years. You start off with applying, of course, you apply to a diocese and then from there you apply to a seminary. So they tell you what seminaries they send to, um, our, our diocese sends to St. Gregory the Great Seminary in Seward, which is our mm-hmm. college seminary. Uh, so I would do, I got my bachelor's from there. Um, and then from there, we either go to Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg, Maryland, St. Charles Borromeo in Philadelphia, or just outside of Philadelphia, although they're changing locations, whatever, it's whatever, it doesn't matter, just outside of Philadelphia, which is where I went, or you can go to Rome. And the bishop right. just kind of says, hey, I want you to go here. And so you apply. Gotcha. So um, after you apply and you're then accepted, uh, and they've changed this a little bit now, there's something called the propedeutic here that's now part of the program um it used to be optional it's basically spirituality year where it's a a school year long retreat um Mm. where you learn how to pray effectively um i did not have to do that uh that came to be required only this year actually this upcoming so this upcoming year academic year is when it'll be implemented formally yeah so so you're so is that before your college years then the in our diocese it will be Okay. Yeah, so the propedeutic so year, they're going to do as your first year in the seminary. 
And then you go into these other two or three phases is what they're called. I don't remember what they're called, (laughs) but um, it's going to look a little bit different than what I'm going to currently describe as my seminary experience. Um, So if people are listening to this after and they're like, well, that's not what's happening now. I know. I know. Right. It's Uh, different. This is, it's different. (laughs) So I, you enter the seminary and if you go right out of high school, like I did, uh, you have four years of philosophy or minor seminary. That's where you get your Mm -hmm. bachelor's, you get your bachelor's in philosophy. Uh, and then you go on to theology, which is another four years, um, where you do theological studies, obviously, but also that's where your practica are. So you do your mass baptism, things like that. Okay. And the whole focus of those four years, those eight years, excuse me, is um, formation in four key areas, uh, pastoral formation, intellectual formation, spiritual formation, and human formation. And to help with those formative things, there are two extra years that were optional at the time, the propedeutic year or the spiritual year, which is now required, yeah. and a pastoral year. And the pastoral year is where you take the academic year off to go work in a parish. And some of that was because guys needed a break from academia for a while because they were getting burnt out, but they still wanted to serve. They still wanted to do the priesthood, but they just had to get out of school for a while. Other guys, they're trying to discern, like, is this even something I want to do? So they put Mm -hmm. them in a parish because the seminary is kind of an artificial environment. So to put them into a parish where real life is happening um, helps them discern a little bit better. So the pastoral years is for those purposes. Yeah. Um, so they help with those co- four areas of formation and those four areas of formation, um, can kind of be described really pretty simply. So the spiritual year or spiritual year, excuse me, the, the spiritual formation is mm-hmm. like, how are, are you praying? Are you growing closer to God? What's the, what's the Lord telling mm-hmm. you? Are you discerning properly? Is the spirit speaking to you? All these different things. Right. So like, are you getting closer to God in your life? Right. right. So you have a spiritual director, you have all these different things. Um, then you have human formation, which is basically, are you becoming a good man? Because the seminary, contrary to popular belief, is not specifically about forming priests. It's about forming good men who will hopefully hmm. become priests. Right. So there's a lot of guys that don't become priests. They enter the seminary, but they leave good men and they're great mm-hmm. husbands and fathers. Right. So hmm. its purpose is to grow good men who hopefully yeah. can become good priests. Yeah. Right. And if they can't become good priests, they become good husbands and fathers. Yeah. Didn't realize that. That's cool. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. And it's not until you get to the, what's called your proximate formation. So those second four years that the priesthood is really what the focus is. Um, Because the majority of it, even during those second four years, um, it's still like, are you becoming a good man? Like a good holy man? Like, is that what's going on? on? And uh, because if you can't even be a good holy man, you, there's no way you're going to be a good priest. Right. Uh, so you have the human formation. Are you developing normally? Like, are you still attracted to women? <laughs> um, do you, are you working out? Are you healthy? Mm-hmm. Are you um, just, are you becoming a man? Or are you stuck as a boy in a man's body? Right. Wow. Are there, are there some psychological difficulties that you need worked out? Like, do we need to hook you up with a counselor? Are there wounds that need to be healed? All of mm-hmm. these different things. Right. Uh, and, uh, just those two things, spiritual and human formation could be kind of intense. Yeah. Uh, but then you throw an intellectual formation, which is also called academic formation. Are you able to learn these things? Like, can you learn the laws? Can you learn the theology? Can you learn the philosophy? Can you learn all this stuff? Right. 
So you go in with the idea that you're being formed as a whole person. And then you have the pastoral formation. Pastoral formation is, can you take all of these good things and share it with your flock? Right. Oh, in a constructive okay. way. Yeah. Can you be a good pastor? Can you be a good shepherd? Right. And, uh, if there's ever problems in those areas, areas, you have a formation advisor or a okay. formation director is what they're also called sometimes, who is there to see what, how these pillars are being built. And there are gotcha. some that need more emphasis than others. Like there are some guys who are really great about sharing with the flock. They're really good at this. Yeah. But academically, it's just terrible. They're just, right, they're not there. So they need more help with that. Fine. So yeah. that is where most of their focus is. And then they just continue to build the gifts they already have. Um, other guys are really great men. They're good at, they're mature, all they're, mm -hmm. they're great learners, but their spiritual life is in shambles because they've never learned how to pray. So we focus more on that. So it's, gotcha. each guy is different with that regard. Um, gotcha. So with those four focuses, you move into the academics piece of things. So I don't know that this is everywhere and always, but in my experience, it was you went to the seminary and you got your gen eds out of the way first before you even okay. started philosophy. So you did your math, your science, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then you did philosophy. So effectively okay. I had two and a half years of philosophy out of mm -hmm. the four years. Gotcha. Uh, you graduate with your BA and then you go into um, the theology division theology. and you get your masters of divinity, which is a ministerial degree. And then okay. you get, you can get a higher degree. Um, I ended up getting a master of arts in scripture and, uh, at the end of the whole thing, you get ordained. Uh, so throughout the process, you also get installed as an lector, then you get installed as an acolyte, then deacon, then priest. And gotcha. then hopefully I'll never be a bishop, but bishop comes later. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make sure, uh, that, you know, higher ups hear this podcast so they know your your true feelings. If, I, <laughs> if you haven't, if I'm ever, you haven't already told them. If I'm ever made a bishop, <laughs> just put a pillow over my face. <laughs> okay. Just end my life. It's fine. It's, it's not worth it. It's not worth. It. <laughs> Do not need. Uh, yeah. So you you get ordained as a deacon, and I'll just kind of touch briefly on this. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's two types of deacons. There's a uh, temporary deacon or is there a different name for it than transitional, transitional, transitional deacon. deacon and then permanent deacon. Mm -hmm. Um, and transitional are the, the deacons that are in seminary transitioning into, um, becoming a priest, becoming ordained a priest versus the, um, permanent deacons like deacon dad, deacon dad, dad. Steve. <laughs> um, Steve, uh, and, and all the other deacons, um, they're, they're, they're permanent. They're, it's, they're not in the formation of moving forward into, um, becoming a priest, becoming ordained as a priest. Mm -hmm. um, they're there to serve that role. So, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. Lance. Not bad. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, anything else on like the, the process, the schooling with, with becoming a priest, becoming ordained as a priest. Pray for your seminarians. Uh, cause, uh, it can be tumultuous because, uh, it's not like a normal college experience. Um, it's kind of an artificial environment that acts almost like an incubator. So mm -hmm. all of those things, all the gifts that you have will grow and all the virtues you have will grow, but then the opposite will happen too, where all of your vices and all of these problems you might have also grow. Right. And, uh, if you don't have a, a good way to kind of deal with either one of those, 
the good gifts kind of go to waste and yeah. kind of these vices really just blow up. Right. So um, that's why we have spiritual directors. That's why we have formation advisors and prayer and all that stuff. But it can be kind yeah. of stressful because yeah. uh, you have all this. You don't work, so you don't leave because you're just studying all the time. You're there. And you're just with a bunch of dudes. And then all of a sudden it's <laughs> February and all you want to do is go outside, but you can't because it's freaking freezing right. outside. <laughs> and uh, you just hate everyone and everything. Right. Um, so for me, there, and it's more tumultuous for some guys than others. It was pretty tumultuous mm -hmm. for me. But mostly that was just, that's again, something we can get into with a vocation story prop uh, podcast, yeah. I suppose. But pray for your guys in formation um, because how they are in the seminary is what they will be as a priest. Yeah, that's that's a really cool. And I will kind of bring in a little bit of what I, I guess I'm feeling because you mentioned the formation of this and, and the purpose of the, the seminary is to form good men. Yeah. Um, and, and I really like that. And. I think a, an important thing that just kind of clicked in my own heart was like, who does the devil hate most? Like the devil, the devil hates good people and especially good men. Um, as you can see that throughout the whole Bible in the old Testament, the new Testament, the history of the church that he oh, just, yeah. he can he hates good men. And so the formation of good men is an extremely tough time. And so the devil tries to spiritually attack, um, that a lot. And, we're all spiritually attacked in some way, shape, or forms, but man, when you're in that formation, um, to become a priest and to really form being a good man, that's, that's oh, kind of yeah. tough. I, I know that really hates priests. my dad. Yeah. My dad talked a lot about that, um, throughout his, um, his uh, schooling for, is it, is it a seminary? I guess. I don't yeah. Know how to explain yeah. It, for, for deacons, for his permanent deaconship. But, um, yeah, I just speak to that because, yeah, pray pray for the seminarians, pray for um, all the religious orders and their discernment for that because, man, um, spiritual spiritual attacking is, is huge from the devil. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. Absolutely wild. Cool. Um, kind of want to talk a little bit about, a little bit more about the priesthood and, and that kind of stuff. And I know we're going to touch a little bit more on this uh, with other sacraments, but um, you know, we're, we're told that, um, and it's told in our baptism, but I think we can kind of touch on it here, um, that we are priests, prophets, and, mm -hmm. and uh, kings of, uh, I guess, in the kingdom of God. What does that role look like for you as a priest and, and other ordained ministers? But also, what does that role look like for us as lay people? Exactly. And I know, again, we're going to touch a little bit on... Um, on that throughout baptism and other sacraments, but yeah. Yeah. So as a baptized person, you're automatically priest, prophet, and king, right? So as a priest, you're, you have the privilege and the obligation to offer sacrifice. So whenever you go to mass, mm -hmm. even though the father says, uh, this mass is offered for the people of the parish, you're supposed to mm -hmm. go with your own intention as well, because he also has his own intention, right? Yeah. So if you're there, you're offering the sacrifice, even if you're not the one presiding. Right, So the difference between the baptismal priesthood and the ministerial priesthood is the level of participation in Christ's priesthood. Okay. Right. So um, my priesthood is one of sacramental sacrifice. Like I'm, I am offering the priesthood of Christ on the altar. I'm the one that's presiding. Uh, I'm the one that's fulfilling the ministerial role of Jesus in a particular mm -hmm. way. So that means that Jesus is, is working through me. He works through us all, right? Right. Um, but it's in a special way because if if 
like just a seven-year-old went up there and said, this is my body, nothing happens. Yeah. Right. right. If, uh, <laughs> if just some dude goes up there, this is my body, nothing happens. But if as I go Max up there. Is, right. Yeah. As right. you're finding with Max. So there's no valid <laughs> masses happening in your house right now. Good. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I wish, but yeah. I, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if he ever tries that at my parish, I might just have to drop kick him. Right. But there you go. Okay. <laughs> I give you permission. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> Paige might not, but that's all right. Right. <laughs> but it's, it's my hands, right? So it's my voice, it's my body, but it's Jesus doing it through me. Uh, yeah. So the priest is the conduit for all these sacraments to take place um, because he needs these conduits. He, uh, it's without the priest, there is no Eucharist. Without the Eucharist, there is no priest. Like there's no, right. there's no point to all of this. So the difference really is the, the, the level of participation between the two. Mm. Right. And okay. then what does that look like on the people's end? That one's actually really pretty simple. It's just live a good, dis, a good disciple life. Mm. Right. Okay. Um, go out and be apostles in the world. Uh, live your faith, um, uh, grow in virtue, help out your parish, you know, whether that's tithing, right. whether that's reading, whether that's helping out with communion, whether that's visiting the sick, it, it, this, the church needs your service. Right. right. And it's a real and right. true sacrifice. You're sacrificing your time, right? Uh, you're sacrificing your talent. You're sacrificing your treasure. Uh, go to mass with an intention. Mm-hmm. All of those things will, um, really bring out and I suppose uh, emphasize your participation in the priesthood of Jesus. And actually, when we start talking about the Eucharist, I want to go through the mass actually and show you exactly where the lay priesthood is shown and brought out. Um, But as for us, are the kind of the ordained ministers, it really depends on what our station of life is. Um, So all of our priesthood is sacrifice. Right. So mm-hmm. what does that, what does that mean? It was, again, it kind of depends on what's going on, but they're for deacons, you're it's service. You're serving the bishop, you're serving the community pastors. Mm-hmm. We're administrating a parish. And if you're not a pastor, you're an assistant, you're still at the parish. Yeah. You're doing all these different things with that community. You're going to go between, between the bishop and the parish. Uh, you meet their sacramental needs. You show them what it means to be loved and to be led mm-hmm. all these different things. The bishop, leads the flock of an entire diocese and uh and then even bishops depending on the type of bishop actually this is a this might be a good place to talk about some levels here yeah so we have priests and then you have monsignors right well a monsignor is just a priest it's just an honorary title so don't even worry about monsignors but when you get to bishops (laughs) you have um cardinals right okay so what are cardinals cardinals are just bishops who can vote for the new pope that's it. That's all a cardinal is. Okay. He's still a bishop and he still has a diocese, yeah. but he's been chosen to be a pope. Be a pope. He's been chosen mm-hmm. to be a, a <laughs> bishop who will vote for the next pope. And actually cardinal okay. comes from the Latin word cardes, which means hinge. So the next pope hinges on these people's votes. Oh, interesting. Right? Okay. You know, like the cardinal does... virtues. Those yeah. are the hinge virtues. Yeah. Got yeah. you. Oh, got you. So does a cardinal have to be a bishop because i think isn't there a cardinal that is not technically a bishop i don't know if that's true or not i thought i heard that if you become a bishop you become a if you become a cardinal cardinal you are a bishop uh there is there are such things as uh cardinal priests but they're not um it's not the same type of cardinal it's that's another kind of honorary 
type okay. of a thing. Okay. Uh, and they're exceedingly rare, like exceedingly yeah. rare. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why we have them, honestly. Mm -hmm. I'd have to look more into that, but it seems kind of useless okay. yeah. to me. So, I mean, kind of a visual for me that I've been trying to figure out, and let me know if this is a good way of looking at it, but I kind of look at it as like the Cardinals, like you said, they're, they're vote on the next Pope, but they kind of are a board of directors, I guess, of a company. And you have like the Pope as kind of like the CEO. And then that board of directors helps guide and helps pick that next CEO. Is that a good way of looking um, at it? Sure. Or is that a little like, no, don't think that. Way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a little, it's a little imprecise, but it's not, it's not off. Right. So, um, the Pope is again, just a Bishop. He's the Bishop of Rome. That's his diocese, mm -hmm. but he's yeah. also the, he's also Peter who was an apostle, but he was head of the apostles. Mm -hmm. Right. So he's right. a Bishop, but he's head of the bishops. Okay. And so the Cardinals choose their next head from among their own ranks, right. From right. among other bishops. Usually mm -hmm. it's another Cardinal, not always, but usually it's another Cardinal. Yeah. And, um, after they vote up comes the Pope. So then he has advisors that he kind of. Uses. Appoints um, okay. for different curios, what they're called, or different um, different departments, if you want to call them that, like yeah. propagation of the faith, things like okay. that. That's so um, then you have the cardinals who are strictly a voting body, unless they're okay. assigned to a certain task. Got you. Yeah. Got you. So board of directors is okay. But I, I get your, yeah. your point. I mean, really, the, the purpose of a cardinal is to vote for the next pope, mm -hmm. and then that pope that's then elected is then um or chosen maybe not elected elected is, right is word, good yeah elected is the right it word. is okay mm -hmm. elected then they appoint their kind of advisors and some of those could be cardinals some of those could be just bishops ordinary bishops um, some of them can even parish. be priests yeah like we have a yeah. lot of diplomats who are just priests okay mm -hmm. that's that's good to know yeah cool so he's got a whole host of people working for him yeah yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, cool. What what else do you have for um, the sacrament of the holy orders and, and kind of all in line with priesthood, ordination, stuff, all that? Oh, man. Ordination is cool. If you ever get the chance to go, you should. Yeah. Uh, I know you went to your dad's. It's pretty but, sweet. Uh, I did. It's, um, yeah, it's, there's nothing more majestic. I got something over you. I, I've been to a bishop's ordination, so, Ooh. you know. <laughs> dang we might have to fight to the death on this one yeah now. yeah might might have to <laughs> i was also in like i think i was like ninth grade maybe i was pretty early in high school or late late middle school right around that time so memory's a little fuzzy but it was it was crazy i mean just all the priests and this is in wyoming where it's a lot smaller diocese mm -hmm. than even the diocese of, of lincoln and uh yeah it was it was pretty impactful it was pretty cool yeah and uh you know it's uh Everyone always asks, like, are you nervous? Are you nervous to get ordained? And when I was a priest, I was like, no, just hurry up and ordain me, please. For the love of God and all that is holy, get me out right. of the seminary and into a parish. But I was absolutely nervous for my, for diaconate. And it was funny really? because there were eight of us in my class uh, for, mm -hmm. for my diocese. There were eight of us. And um, we're all pretty close. We're all still pretty close. But... Of the eight of us, only one wasn't nervous, and he made fun of us incessantly because we all looked like we were just going to die. <laughs> yeah. And uh, at one point, I was sitting, and it was during the bishop's homily, and I was like, oh, no, everything's getting fuzzy. Like, I started getting the black around my eyes. 
I was like, don't you pass out. Don't you, don't you do it. <laughs> and beside me, my classmate, Father Cyrus Rowan, he just goes, Stoli. Stoli. I said, yeah, what's up, Cy? <laughs> Stop breathing so loud. Because apparently I was going. Sticking <gasps> 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 big breaths. <laughs> just freaking out. But he saved my life. So I ended up well, uh, not passing out and it was okay. Good. Um, but then Good. came priesthood and we were all just like, let's just get ordained. Except for the Stoles. guy. Who wasn't nervous yeah. for diaconate? He was <laughs> crapping himself during for priesthood, and we're like, right. "What's wrong, Salisbury? Right. You nervous?" <laughs> like all this other stuff, because he was razzing us the whole time, throwing it back at him. And, yeah. Oh yeah, we just took a deuce on him. It was great. Yeah, <laughs> great, great image. <laughs> Maybe that's not the best way I could have said that. But. I love it though. Uh, uh, man, well, there's a lot of other stories that I know I've heard, especially through your discernment and <laughs> what led you to, um, to the priesthood. And I think that, yeah, doing a vocational, uh, po- a vocations podcast would be good. And maybe those stories would be better told in, in that, in, in that, that capacity. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I think that's a good well, cool. call. <laughs> yeah. Anything else? Partially? I don't think so, man. I think we covered, I mean, we could talk about holy orders for days yeah uh, maybe yeah. maybe if there's questions we can do a part two or something but i think yeah. we've really kind of covered what we need to cover on yeah holy no, orders, man. i feel like i really learned a lot about it i mean I, for me i feel like and probably i hope maybe not everyone else but it's just a it's a sacrament that if you're not actually going through it you just don't really fully understand it i guess yeah that's um, fair and so that helps. I think this helped me a ton, just being able to understand and be able to realize what the process is, where it came from, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So, yeah, cool. Yeah, deep, well, rich history. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Awesome. Well, let's close in prayer here. And, I like uh, it. We'll go from there. Right. And the Father, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Dear cool. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. Uh, we thank you for all the ordained ministers um, throughout this world that you have. Um, brought into this church over the years, help us to continue to um, call up good men um, and call them to the priesthood. We pray for all of our seminarians, all of our priests. In name we pray. Amen. Amen. Father, Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Father Stoli, for the insights, the knowledge yeah, thanks, you just Lance. dropped. Uh, I dropped so I, much knowledge on us. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm really looking forward to um, this series and, and getting into the sacraments here. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be great. Looking forward to it. All righty. Until next time. Yep. See you, Lance. <laughs>